21st century Doing something mean to it Do it better than anybody you ever seen Do it, screams from the haters Got a nice ring to it I guess every superhero need his theme music Go one man to have all that power The clock's ticking, I just count the hours Stop tipping, I'm tipping off the power What's going on, everybody? This is the P2MB, and I am your host, Austin Krell. Sixers fresh off of a great win in Detroit on Friday night, a game in which Embiid was out with rest, and they had really not a great amount of preparation for such a scenario because it was their first time all season that they'd had to play without Embiid. And it just sort of felt from the beginning like they were they were sort of toughing up their own figure trying to figure it out. They eventually obviously fell by fifteen in uh in, in the third quarter. But thanks to some heady halftime adjustments on the defensive side of the ball by Brett Brown, they Came all the way back thanks to Jimmy Butler's 38 points, and they won the game in Detroit minus Joel. Two days off, and here we are Monday playing the Pistons for the fourth and final time of this regular season in Philadelphia. Joel is were was back for tonight's game after the Friday game off with rest. In case we missed it, because we kind of did miss it because the timing of the last podcast sort of came before this This really became a story. But there was speculation that maybe Embiid was upset with the acquisition of uh, Jimmy Butler because of the fact that Jimmy Butler's presence and his game put Embiid in a position where he had to play from the outside in instead of the inside and then maybe go outside a little bit. He wanted to be more buried in the high post, although he never seems to be buried in the high post whether it's Brett Brown calling it or his own will. And surprisingly, he's averaging 13 point, I think, eight post touches with Butler compared to 13.3 before Butler. So whether he realizes it or not, he's actually getting the ball more in the paint. But that was just sort of a speculative story that maybe – you know, people wanted to make want to make a headline, and they say, "Oh, Jimmy's already causing trouble in Philly." It's been a month. When in reality, it was just more of a frustration thing with Embiid that manifested in him, I guess, um, having a couple bad games in a row. It was just more of him feeling like his positioning was being compromised, and he had to figure it. He and Brett had to figure out a way collaboratively to get him in the right position to succeed on the court. I don't just mean changing up his role right now. I just mean like literally repositioning himself within the offense so that he can find that way he can get to his sweet spot and be more efficient and more effective than having to settle for threes. And it's it seemed like I mean I, I usually I get a lot of anxiety when it comes to this kind of thing because if you didn't already know the Sixers are you know live breathe eat Sixers. And so, normally this kind of thing would give me anxiety, but from the very beginning, I was as I was reading things through, it just kind of felt like 
nah, it, it, it's just it, it's just talk, and there's people trying to reframe things in a way that's good for headlines and good for clicks. Um, it just didn't seem like MB was the kind of guy to already you know to, to publicly admit being upset about some kind of about about this a month into it. Wouldn't be good for business. Wouldn't be good for the team. And I think before, I think above all else, or at least how it appears, is that this core three, they just want to win basketball games. That's how. That's how I see it. So I was never that really that worried about it. And then insiders and other reporters sort of confirmed that it that it was taken out of context, and there's nothing to be worried about. And then Embiid took to, to social media and sort of subtly liked and retweeted some tweets that sort of confirmed those thoughts. And it was just, it, sort of, it was something that was sort of, there was gasoline added to that fire, but not enough to make it really expand and get and become dangerous. Um, so Pistons and Philly tonight, 13 and 11 on the year. And four and five away from their home court, Sixers eighteen and nine, and thirteen and one at home. They're they were looking to eclipse the ten games above five hundred mark tonight, which to the average viewer might not be much of a significance. To me, it's pretty important. I don't know why. I just it's it just is sort of a big thing for me that they get to that point, and so. I think it's I think it's probably something along the lines of I want so badly for them to be elite and be great and that's like the first step of stepping out of good and towards great on a season by season basis. Um and tonight was the night to do it. No Blake Griffin, he was missing the game due to rest. Some theories th- some some theorize that Oh, he doesn't want any of the any of the Jimmy Butler smoke after the sort of the, the the mild confrontation they had on the court last game in Detroit. But even though it's sort of ironic and sort of too coincidental, I, you know, it, I'll take it for face value that he just missed the game due to rest, whatever. And it, it this was a, a game the Sixers were were primed to win, and. Ten minutes in to the game, Jimmy Butler, I guess, pulled up lame with a with, with sort of a an, a discomfort kind of injury, and he was later diagnosed with a with, with a strain of groin. Those who do those who don't know, it can take months to get right, and I know that that sounds like a devastating loss if it is so, but you know we'll see. Time will tell. Um, I would have trouble believing that a guy like Jimmy Butler would would allow himself to be absent for months for months and months of time with a groin strain. I I just don't see it. I don't know how badly he was walking off the court because I, I missed the play, but obviously you don't want a, a groin strain. It's probably one of the worst ones to have. But I think Jimmy's has that warrior inside of him that he won't let him, you know, he'll fight through it. I think if he, if he really feels like he needs to anyway, let's get to the game. Sixers lead by nine entering the second. Then the injury happens. 
and it just sort of felt like they were kind of deflated in that second quarter. The offense was was really really stagnant, and it just sort of felt like the, the Pistons were clawing were clawing their way back into things. The the Sixers led by fifteen at one point in the quarter, and then the Pistons got within three. Eventually, the Sixers regained their control and re, sort of restored order, led by a nine and a half time. In uh, going into going into the the fourth quarter, the Sixers led by eleven. Pistons got it to I think five or six, and then the and then the Sixers bench really took off and took control of the game. Three point shooting in the fourth quarter was instrumental in that um, the likes of Shamit and Korkmaz and uh, yeah, those two, those two players, Korkmaz and Shamit, um, they really sort of seized control of the game. Sixers eventually led by as many as 21 in this game late in the fourth quarter off of a Reddick three. They win the game by 14 when all is said and done. And so, despite losing Jimmy Butler for the rest of the game, at the very least, um, it's a quality win for the Sixers. The, the, the Pistons are a, an improved opponent. I don't know that they're really a good team, because outside of Drummond and Griffin, I mean, you have Reggie Jackson. That's about it. rest of the team is mediocre or average at best. Um, but let's break it down. So, starters per usual, Wilson Chandler, Joel, Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Jimmy Butler. I would guess T.J. McConnell started the second half. I think he probably, yeah, I think he did. I think he started the second half, and then it was sort of a, uh, yeah. I guess sort of an odd move up one, move down one sort of lineup where Embiid's the five, Simmons the four, Chandler the the three, Reddick the two, TJ the one. Um, but Chandler twenty eight minutes on the game, Embiid thirty three minutes, Simmons thirty minutes, Reddick thirty two minutes, and Butler ten. Um, Wilson Chandler, he had he had a tremendous game last time. In Detroit on Friday. Tonight, seven points on three of seven shooting, six rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block. Um, it's just sort of a it's a it's a whatever. It's just sort of like okay, it, it there's not much there's not much to be said. It's just sort of it's it's there. Um, I would say. I need more out of my starting out of my starting power forward or starting small forward. However, you whatever position he's playing, I need more out of him. This team is going to get to the next level this season. My starting power forward, or yeah, my starting power forward needs to get fifteen at least every night, or needs to be capable of fifteen on any on any given night. And I'm not sure that I believe Wilson Chandler is capable of ten on on any given night. Joel Embiid in his game in his first game after rest, twenty four points on sixteen shots, eight rebounds, three assists, two steals, two blocks, plus thirty on the game. He was you know his usual tremendous self. He did say after the game that it wasn't his body. He felt great. Um, it just sort of I th- you know there's a little bit of an illness I think a, l- a little bit of a of rest. 
and I I do believe that everything's all right. Everything is good. Those comments are blown out of proportion. Out of proportion. Even he said that everyone on the, on the in this locker room and on the staff knows that I love them and I love everybody. And you know, he just sort of reaffirmed that it's nothing to be nothing to be seen here. Not a, not a big deal. He did seem to even with Jimmy Butler on um, missing, he did seem to take fourth, you know, more threes tonight. He took four threes in the game, made one, and it just sort of just sort of felt like Drummond, kind of in a way, maybe won the matchup tonight. Twenty one points for him, seventeen rebounds. Obviously, Embiid's the much better all around player, but I thought Drummond defended him better tonight. I thought he did a better job. He kept them off the glass too. Something that can be attributed to maybe MB just physically in terms of, you know, he had, he had been experiencing flu-like symptoms for the last couple of days. He was just sort of easing his way in there. You could make that case. Who knows? Um, but even Drummond, even if Drummond did win the game, I mean, you know, even if Drummond did win the, the matchup, Sixers still won the game by, by, by a large margin, so it doesn't even matter. So what that says is that Drummond's going to need to be, be above and beyond versus Embiid just for them to have any kind of fighting chance, which I didn't in this game, and he's not capable of outdoing Embiid by that much. Ben Simmons, 30 minutes, 18 points on 8 of 11. He shot 2 of 9 from the free throw line, um, and that sort of follows the pattern of 5 of 6, 2 of 9, 4 of 4, 5 of 12, 3 of 8, 7 of 7. You just never know what you're going to get from him on any, on any given night from the free throw line. Some nights will be great. Other nights will be terrible. This was a terrible night. One thing I did like about Ben tonight, only two turnovers in those 30 minutes. So he did he did a great job of sort of being aggressive but in a, in a controlled manner and, and playing within himself. Redick... Continues to be very to be I think inefficient from the from the floor. Thirty two minutes, thirteen points on twelve shots, two of seven from three. Um, he had a block. He had two rebounds, two assists. The usual JJ kind of line. Again, I don't. I'm not sure I blame him for this, but I do need more out of him in terms of his scoring. I think having another wing in there would make his life a lot easier in terms of just being able to get better looks at shots. I thought that would be the case with Jimmy Butler being on the team. And even even with Jimmy, I'm not sure he's getting great looks. Um, I think a lot of it is just because he's people know how to defend the, the dribble handoff. People know how to defend uh, the the... The, the pin down it's it's you you've got to be you got to make Reddick's life a lot easier by being aggressive and making the defense converge and then finding the shooter he's not getting these easy catch and look opportunities at all anymore but playing devil's advocate when he does get those shots he's not making them all, all the time like he was last year so I don't know if it's a little bit of age I don't know if it's a little bit of of, of being tired or what it is, but he's certainly having a down-ish year. Jimmy Butler, zero points, four rebounds, two assists in ten minutes. Nothing to say. Nothing to say about that. Obviously, he was hurt. 
Um, we'll, we'll see what medical official, medical officials say and what the timeline is. Just got to pray that he's not out for an extended period of time because they have four, I think, easy matchups in the next couple of weeks. And then on the 22nd, they have Toronto and they have Boston on Christmas. So it would be nice to be able to go and get to be 24 and 11 against going into Boston or maybe 25 and 10 going into Boston or 23 and 12, whatever, whatever, you, whatever have you, whatever you may, may think. Um, but obviously a lot of that's dependent on if Jimmy Butler can play through it, if he's, if he can, if he's dodged a bullet, if he, if he can, if if he can take a couple of days off and be fine, you know, it's what it's going to what it's going to depend on. But part of the importance of being ten games above five hundred is that really, no matter what, you could lose ten games in a row without Jimmy, and then by then he would hopefully be back. If 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 the worst case scenario, and you could still, you know, you still only be five hundred. You wouldn't be screwed. You'd be in a tough spot, but you wouldn't be screwed. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they'd lose ten games in a row at you know at any stretch because I think that they're too talented for that. Mike Muscala, twenty six minutes off the bench. Landry Shamit, twenty two minutes off the bench. McConnell, twenty eight minutes off the bench. Corkmaz, twenty six minutes off the bench. Amir Johnson and Shake Milton both got playing time in the garbage minutes as soon as the game was out of reach. Brett Brown took out Joel Ben and. The rest of the starters and put in the rest of the, put in the bench. Miscala was effective yet again. Ten points, four rebounds on six shots taken. Um, I think game by game he's sort of proving that he is the backup that you're looking for. It was and it was not necessarily going to be that. Um, the what, what is his name? The guy who. Simon with Sacramento, I forget his I forget his Nemanja Bialitsa wasn't gonna be wasn't necessarily gonna be him. Mike Muscala is very adequate. He, I think he's probably a little better than Ursan Ilyasova was. So maybe we actually improve the roster in that sense. Landry Shamit, ten points on nine shots in this game tonight, three made threes. He made some timely baskets in the sense that he was able to execute on open looks when they came his way. He was able to knock shots down to bury the Pistons even further. And you know, he only had ten points, but those ten points can come at the best times when you need to you, you need to hit a shot to go up thirteen. You need a shot to stop their run. Maybe they're down they're down fifteen, they got it to within eight, and you bury a three, put them back down at eleven. So Landry continues to come up big time and be and continues to be reliable for this team off the bench which is cute which is huge TJ McConnell 14 points six rebound six assists four rebounds two turnovers tremendous 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 game for TJ um, he's not gonna do that every night because he doesn't get the opportunities to but if he can give you six and six on any given night I mean that's a great night he did a great job tonight being the, the being the the, the, being the, the the lead guard off the bench, and he he continues to to play up to the value of and a long term extension. He made two threes tonight, and he just he just he was that 
defensive dog that he always is, picking up full court, being that spark plug off the bench. And I think he's one of the most consistent at his job on this team, surprisingly, as that may sound. Cork Maz was, trans- was, was tremendous tonight. He is the player of the game outside of Embiid, which is a shocker to say. I, know I, I, didn't, I didn't think I'd ever hear that, but that's, it's the case. He earned it. 18 points on 12 shots, 4 made 3, 7 rebounds, no turnovers. Um, he really won them the game in the fourth quarter. The, the, they, the Sixers were up by, I think, 5. He hit a 3. They got a stop. Then they just sort of got it to 10 and 12, kept lingering around then and then, around there, and then Corpenlaz kept making more threes. And I think he hit a couple, and that sort of put the Pistons to sleep, put the nail in the coffin, and you know it just sort of ended any chance they had in this game. And in his 26 minutes, only took him 12 shots to 18 points. That's very effective off the bench. If anyone on this bench can give you 18 points on any given night, that's a great night. And the fact that he did it without committing... A ton of fouls, he committed two, and no turnovers, and he was efficient. It's a great night for for, for Cork. So, with that being said, let's take a look in deeper into this game to see where the difference was made. So, the, the Pistons won turnover battle by five. Or the sorry, the foul battle by five. So that that isn't going to do it. Turnovers is. Two, two different uh, differential of two, so that is inadequate. Five blocks is uh, even that the blocks Sixers had nine more had five had four more steals than the uh, than the Pistons did, so that contributes to turnovers, and that's not adequate. Twenty seven twenty three in terms of assists, nope. Forty eight to forty six in the rebounds, nope. Defensive boards, Pistons win that one by four, nope. Offensive rebound, Sixers by six. Bingo. So, even though Andre Drummond got 17 boards tonight, no one else on the Pistons of the um, 12 players who played, no one had more than eight. That was Luke Kennard. So just 17 and eight were the biggest rebounding numbers on the night for the Pistons. For the Sixers, there was 10, 8, 6, and 7. So, the Sixers were able to secure the offensive rebounds and give themselves second-chance points, which has become a theme in a lot of their wins of late. And in doing that, tires the Pistons' defense, demoralizes the Pistons' defense, pulls them out of position, and in effect, eats clock, and it gives you extra shots. And what that often results in is three-point shots and, and and renewed opportunities, obviously. And the Sixers are able to capitalize on those opportunities, and suddenly a zero-point play turns into a, a three-point play. In terms of the shootings, in terms of the overall shooting totals, Pistons 11-21 from the free-throw line to the Sixers 23-35. That's significant. Um, I, I don't want to say that, that, that the difference in the game was free throws because I think it's not fair to put that on the on you know just to, to give that to the. I, I don't think that's that's fair in terms of the live ball performance of the players. 
And I don't think that's I don't think it's fair to give the officials an impact in the, in the game. But Sixers got to the line thirty five times, Pistons twenty one. That that's that's a that's a fourteen free throw differential. I mean that that's that's a lot. The three point shooting Sixers fifteen of thirty seven. Detroit nine of twenty one. Six made threes is eighteen points. That's a big difference in this game. Sixers shot thirty nine of third of eighty eight from the field. Pistons forty one of eighty four. So the Sixers actually made fewer shots, but they made six more threes. And I think that and the offensive rebounds is ultimately the the, the key to this game. You look at what I said earlier. And you secure the offensive rebounds. And then when you have guys who are trying to sort of double you in the corner and double you on the short block to sort of create a turnover so that you recover that offensive rebound, by finding a guy, you're finding a shooter. And that opportunity, and like I said, that that missed shot, second chance opportunity turns into a three-point look. And so that six three-point differential makes a big difference in this game. And free throws do too. Sixers made 15 threes on, and shot 40.5% on threes. That certainly meets the checklist. They shot 23 or 35 from the line for 66% from the free throw line. That's not good enough at all. They failed there. But the difference was that they committed 13 turnovers. That recovered for them. They kept the turnovers right within the range that we want. About 13 is okay. They made 10 or more threes. And tonight, without Jimmy Butler for the most part, they gave themselves a great opportunity to win the game by executing, by making shots, by not turning the ball over too much, and by keeping the offensive possession alive and not going one and done too often. They win the season series with the Pistons three games to one. And they will be back in action on Wednesday at home versus the Brooklyn Nets, who I would imagine would be a heavy underdog in, the, in a game in Philadelphia. Sixers looking to move to 20-9 on the year. And there's another, you know, another win closer to that total of 55, although I think that they can get closer to 60, maybe 57. It would be my, my, uh, my number. With that being said, I do know that I was very encouraged by Furkan Korkmaz tonight. And if he was sitting next to me, I'd give him a beer. And what I'd ask him is, do you like the shotgun beer? I know you go to the club or a lot, and I know you must have friends over, and you guys must drink, I'm sure, because you're a kid. And so I'd, 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 I'd say, do you want to increase your shotgunning time when you're partying with your friends? And then I'd tell him that I have a buddy who runs a King Cobra. And he'd say, what's, what's a King Cobra? I'd say, the shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. And it can also be used to open bottles, to pull tabs, to punch vents. And, and it all fits on a keychain. And they'd say, how do I find them? And I'd say, you, you go on Instagram, you look at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. 
and Cobra is spelled with a K. For 10% discount, discount on all Cobra products, I tell them to enter my code, trust the Cobra 10, all caps, all one, all one word, and pick up his today. And you know what? You loyal listeners can do the same. The feed to Embiid and its name is protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution of the feed to Embiid without my written permission is prohibited. Copyright the feed to Embiid 2018. So the Sixers win uh, uh, the, the back end of the home and home with the Pistons 116 to 102. They improved from 19 and 9 on the year and 14 and 1 at home. They will face those pesky Brooklyn Nets in Philly this time on Wednesday night. And we'll be right back here to discuss it after the final buzzer. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you on Wednesday.